Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm super excited today to introduce you to our guest. He is the founder of Your Social Voice, a best-selling author, a speaker, and now he's helping other agency owners run more profitable businesses. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Welcome, Kim Barrett. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Kim, it's been a while since we last spoke, but I know you've been working on very big things. Um, last time we spoke, it was in the early, early days of Parakeeto. You were one of those first people that was kind enough to get on a call, give me some feedback, and you know, share some of the things that you were doing. Um, and I just absolutely am impressed by the level of focus that you have in your business. You're a really great operator, and you think about how to systemize and optimize things in your business, so you're not always there. So really excited to dig into that a little bit today. Um, but before we get into that, I'd love for you to share a little bit uh, with the audience about who you are, uh, what you do, and how you got into the marketing and agency space in the first place. Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> we specialize, or we have specialized in the past as well, is helping people scale their Facebook ads online. Now, um, the reason why we came across this and we started doing that is because when I very first started, there wasn't many agencies out there. Like there's your traditional big agencies, big media buyers, etc. but there wasn't really many digital marketing agencies. So I first started in online marketing probably well, nearly 16 years ago now when I was 15 years old. I um, used to run a forum for Tropical Fish. Right, sounds a little bit weird, but um, I used to be a tropical fish breeder when I was a little kid. I had fish and I would buy them and sell them. I ran the forum for them, and they said, "Kim." And I back then, you know, similar to now, I would be like, if someone says something to me, "Can you figure this out?" I'd be like, "Yeah, sure, I can figure it out." So that like, we need to sell ad space on our website. So I was like, "Okay, cool, I can help with that." Googling what is ad space, and I was like, "Okay, it's the banners that pop up across the top of it." Cool. Um, yeah, I can help us sell them. Like how much have we sold before? They're like, none, but we need to make like 40 grand so that our forum can stay up. And at the time, like I spent a lot of time on there. It was where I got a lot of my information from. So I was like, okay, I'll see what I can help. I was like, what do we have to entice people? They're like, well, we have this backend dashboard that shows how many people come every month, all the information about who comes, where they come from, etc. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go in took a screenshot of that. I think I copy and pasted the whole thing in paint, wiped out some things and left it all on there. And then I just went through, spent about two hours trying to find every single place that sold fish related products um, online in Australia. I found the email beast. I didn't even individualize. I just BCC them all, sent it to myself. And I was like, Hey, we have, and I didn't know anything about scarcity or anything. Then I was like, we have 10 spots available um, it's going to be uh, $4,000 for a year. This is who comes to our website. This is all the information. And I sent it off. It was like midnight in Perth. So it was like, you know, 3 a.m. on the East Coast of Australia where most of these people were. Next morning, the guy who ran the forum messaged me and said, Kim, what did you do? And I was like, did I do something wrong? What happened? And he's like, no, no, no. We've got $40,000 in our PayPal account. <laughs> I was like, what? 
And he's like, yeah, everyone like basically paid up straight away into the account. We sold all the ad space out and the, you know, the website was able to live. Um, that was my first foray into like, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like you can make money on the internet. You can do this sort of stuff. Like people want this. And yeah, that's how I very first got started back in the day. Very cool. So fast forward, obviously, a couple of years later, you go to school, you study marketing is obviously an interest for you at that point. Uh, and then you get involved with um, young and wildly successful. And you start your agency, I think in 2013, you started your social voice. Yeah, so we've like, uh, I started in with them because they needed someone full time internally to do it. And for me, I said, well, look, I know how to do it now, but I haven't really run any big ad spends right? Like I haven't really had the ability to spend a lot of, a lot of money on ads. So I was like, well, let's see if these guys will bring me on. Like I won't charge them very much. Like and they paid me like a, like a low base wage and then it was based on performance. But I was like, look, I'm willing to spend the time so that I can get stats, get insights, which I think a lot of people, when it comes to starting their agency, they expect straight away people are going to give you two, three, five thousand $5,000 a month. It's like, well, sometimes you've got to get runs on the board first. So I did that with them, um, helped them scale their ads. They went from zero to a million dollars in 10 months, um, which was pretty epic. And that was all through Facebook ads. And um, so by doing that, I got a lot of experience spending pretty decent budgets, um, you know, before I was spending some money doing affiliate marketing stuff for myself. But when I was able to do big budgets, I could see how things worked, how they didn't what happened at scale, what happens when things broke because I broke a lot of stuff as I went through it as well um, and had to figure out then how do I fix it and change it. So um, that was really good for me to be able to use as a testing ground for my knowledge, skills and experience, which I did for a year. And then at the same time, then started launching my own agency or social voice. Awesome. And, and it, yeah, when I looked at your LinkedIn profile, it looked like those two things kind of happened in parallel. So obviously that was like the plan going in. I'm going to get, you know, something kind of part time and I'm going to use that to create the agency. But what made you want to start your own agency in the first place? What made you want to do that as opposed to going and like really getting a, a nice career somewhere else? Um, well, there was a few things like I'd, I'd always tried, like I'd, I'd previously, I had like three, four roles. I was a general manager of an IT company, worked in an accounting firm for five years and the biggest thing that always happened was that I would be capped on, and this didn't happen at YWS, but a lot of other places, like I would be capped on what I thought I could do because they would go, no, you can't do this. Or as well, like I'm very big on like personal decision-making. So it's like, if I want to make a decision to do something and I believe in it, I should be able to do it. Mm. But you know, like I had times where they're like, no, you can't have Christmas off to spend time with your family. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I was like, well, to me, that is not part of my belief system. So I'm never going to work for someone else and become unemployable and work for myself because then I can make all the decisions. And yes, sometimes I've made good ones. Sometimes I've made bad ones, but at least then the only person I can blame is myself. Um, and I'm happy with that, you know, versus, you know, someone else going, Hey, you can't do this. You can't do that. I really wanted to focus on doing things for myself. To be honest, I started out trying to get into a career, trying to get all this experience. I went to university. I worked at an accounting firm, both full time. And when I finished, they're like, oh, but you don't have experience in, like I went to look at management consulting, but you don't have experience here or here or here. And I'm like, well, I worked full time and I was at uni full time. That was supposed to be what you do to get a job. No, 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 you can't get a job. You you didn't have this. And I was like, screw you guys. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start my own company then, fine. That's Um, awesome, man. Yeah, so that was my mentality. So I I did do, I did try that, but it just didn't pan out for me. 
It's funny. I hear a lot of great stories about why people start their business. And, and so often it's because, you know, they just don't find their fit in the corporate world or, or they feel to your point, like they're being capped or they're being put in a box and uh, they, you know, people know they have so much more potential. So it's cool that, to know that you, you struck out and did it on your own. And now fast forward a few years, 2019, about coming up on six years now. Um, Obviously, your social voice has been a big success. You've developed a ton of authority uh, in the market. So tell us a little bit about the company today. Who do you serve? How big is the team? And, uh, and, and what's that look like? Yeah, so our team grows pretty much every day, uh, it seems like. We've got so many people on board at the moment. So we've got seven um, full-time staff. We've got a couple of sales staff um, and some outsourced. And we've actually just got two interns that started with us as well, which is a big key to one of our successes is bringing people in um, through our internship programs and we help them um, learn, figure out what they want to do. And then sometimes they stay on. Like one of our um, early interns was a guy called Chris Benetti, who's now number one funnel designer in the Southern Hemisphere, goes and works at ClickFunnels with Russell Brunson, uh, has started up his own funnel agency, which we partner with him in. So, you know, like there's a, a lot of cool stuff that come from that. And, you know, we, we focus a lot on direct response. So we don't like we um, we have partners who we send people to for e-commerce and things like that. But our big key experience is direct response. We got a two comma club award, which is a million dollars through one funnel for that. So to many of our clients. So we really focus on people that are doing like uh, either free live events, webinars, online trainings. They're the really or they want to get leads in and they like they're going to call them and follow up with them. That's really the people that we want hmm. most of the time we get pretty capped on our, on our agency side purely because I don't want to really get to the point of having a hundred staff members. I'm a pretty simple guy. Um, otherwise I get too stressed and overwhelmed. So, um, we're getting really close to capacity at the moment on that side. I've got a few meetings this week, which will probably push us over the edge. So we help people there. And then I also, we also want to help businesses because I like one of our beliefs is we want to help business owners focus on doing what they do best because most people didn't start their business to learn how to do marketing, accounting, bookkeeping, et cetera. Same thing comes when people want to start an agency as well, right? It's like when you start an agency, it's because you like doing most of the time, a bit of asterisk, most of the time, it's because you like doing agency work. You like doing ads, you like doing funnels, you like putting it together. And it's like, cool, but now you have to learn how to build a team, how to lead a team, manage a team, accounting, uh, cash flow forecasting, all these things that you didn't really know you were going to get yourself into. So now we also help people. If they're a business owner, we help them set up their own marketing systems, which was what we would normally do if we did it for them. And for agencies, we have a model where we give them all of our systems that we've developed over the last five years. We help them, we mentor them, we give them basically really a license to our IP so that they can go out there and scale an agency. And then as well, any work that comes through that we can't facilitate because they don't have the budget or we're capped, we also send to them because we know that because they use our, our system, I know they're going to be able to do a good job. So we send those clients to them then as well. Awesome, man. So obviously you, you've kind of figured it out. Um, and one of the things that I love about your business is that you've got your niche dialed in. You know exactly who your perfect customer is. You've got a process for how you deliver value to them. It's documented. That's a system now to the point where, like you said, it's IP and you can actually give that to another agency and they become successful as a result of that. Now, I'd love to dig into a little bit of how you found that niche. Cause I think that's something that a lot of agencies struggle with, especially in the early days, you know, they're mm -hmm. kind of getting started. They're just taking kind of whatever work they can get. But at some point 
that starts to really hurt them. They start to get overworked. You know, their scope is all over the place. Their profit is all over the place. It's hard for them to have a process. How did you start to figure out um, that you needed to really focus on this particular market of direct response? Well, I mean, it was hard, like, to be honest, I was the same as everyone else because we all have bills, we all have overheads, right? Um, and people, it's like, cool, someone comes to you and they want to give you four grand a month. You're like, well, okay. And then it's like, but it's not the right person. And But I learned very quickly and it happens every time. If I take someone on that's outside the scope of who we work with normally, generally I will find that it will bite us somehow, mm. right? Not necessarily that the client won't get good results or something like that, but it's like, They'll become too demanding. They'll have like really high level of expectation or then they'll, you know, they'll message you a thousand times a day. Something will happen and you'll be like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have taken that client on. So I've learned now enough by doing it time and time again and copying it in the, uh, copying it on the chin a little bit. Going, okay, cool. Now I know that I shouldn't take these people, but I just looked at across the board when we had like, so last year we had more, we probably had like nearly 15 start uh, last year, year before last we had nearly 15 staff and we had a lot going on, a lot of clients coming in and I had to settle and I was going, okay, cool. Let me look at the baseline. Who are the clients that number one, we like to work with the most that we get the best result for that we can consistently get the best result for. And for me, that always came down to, and I looked across everyone we're working with was direct response where they're going to follow up and call the leads. And we know that they will, cause we test that. Then it's like, and they want to run a live event, webinar, online training, something where they're getting people in, they're following up with them, and we can also track that they're doing that too, and we can have a good measure of result. And once I kind of looked at that and go, okay, cool, these are the ones we've done the best with. They're also the ones who pay us the most and give us the least amount of headaches from uh, from all, uh, all aspects of the business. I was like, okay, cool. Well, then these are the people we need to keep working with. And we slowly started settling down who we would take on board. Some people we referred out, again, we referred out. Um, a guy that used to work with me started an agency, so I handballed him a few people. Um, we started uh, just not taking them on and going, cool, all right, if you want to come on board, here are the parameters. You need to be doing this. You need to be able to prove that you're doing your follow-ups, etc. You need to be able to show us that you can afford to work with us. And as well, don't only have one channel because the biggest thing is we help them scale their Facebook ads and Instagram ads, but it's like, I don't want them to have to purely rely on that because all it takes is one week of something going wrong and people lose lose their mind, right? Because yeah. it's like, oh my God, you know, the sky is falling. But if they do have other avenues and they're making sure that they consistently are bringing in people from referrals, JVs, they have organic, they have Google, they have like a, a range, you know, then it's like that's, that's again ideal because we want to make sure that they understand that whilst Facebook is good and amazing, it is not a magic pill. Things can change, things can happen, things can stop working. And it's not like, okay, you find the solution in five minutes. It takes a little bit of time. But that also comes down to me or an agency owner setting an expectation, not going, cool, I'm just going to, you know, crack my magic fingers and suddenly you're going to get a million dollars in the bank. It's like sometimes things are going to happen. So if you are purely reliant on this, I recommend you diversify that as quickly as possible. So we also recommend to our clients, look, look at like JV opportunities, look at referral opportunities. I show them um, reactivation strategies for old leads that they have to ensure that they don't put all their eggs in one basket, even though like our goal is to over deliver in that basket anyway. But it's like, I want to make sure that they understand that there are more ways to skin a cat and that they have to focus on those other ways as well. 
So what I love about this is what I'm hearing is you made this transition, you became way more focused, and now you're selling from your heels. The client has to work to try and work with you rather than you always trying to bend to work with the client. It's a really great dynamic, obviously, that you've put yourself in. I'd love for you to speak as well to some of the other positive changes that have come out of this, because I'm assuming that on the back end of the business, process has gotten smoother, profitability has gone up, training and onboarding staff has gotten better, you know, bringing in clients. Like, Talk to me a little bit about some of the magic that's happened behind the sale as well. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. On the business. Talk to me a little bit about some of the magic that's happened behind the sale as well in the business. Yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest one for people that I always recommend is like, once you have something dialed in, it's way easier for people to refer to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Once you have a specific offering and it's like, well, if you think about it, if you serve every single person across every single niche, just saying now that you do Facebook ads, it's like, yeah, like I open a bottle, um, open a packet of cornflakes and I pull out a Facebook ad certificate these days, right? Like <laughs> everyone does Facebook ads, but it's like, you need to be able to be that specific. So if I'm talking about someone, it's like, oh, Kim does this then it's easy, much more easy for me to be able to get referrals. So that's something, as soon as we did that, our referral rate went up, our sale rate went up, our profitability went up. And as well, because we focus on one type of client that we bring in, again, like you said, our profitability, et cetera, all started to scale because we also know and we're 100% certain in the charges that we've done. So it's like, cool, we charge minimum 5K a month as a bare minimum, sometimes up to 8, 10K a month. We are confident in charging that because we know that we can judge and measure a return for them. But it also means for us, everything like from our accounting team, from our operations team, delivery team, everything is unified. We have a process to follow. Like you said, we have a system to follow every time someone is onboarded. And we can also then roll in automation because as soon as everything is consistent, so you can't automate if something's different every time. It's like, okay, cool, this person's charged 2000 1000 you know, whatever. It's way too hard. So we have our contracts, our invoices, our onboarding, our client gifts, client support is all automated in one smooth process because we decided to go down that one track. Makes it like so much easier for us to be able to deliver as well. And then for me, because the biggest thing that happened next is when you're bringing on team members, most people, when you're good at something, is everything sits in here. Right, And you've got to try and extract that out of your brain so that you can give people that value when they're coming in as new team members and train them up. And even though I sell training and information to people as well, trying to take out my thought process when an account goes bad, when ads are not working was so hard. So then it was like, cool. I look across all the accounts and I said, great, here are all the problems that will pop up. And I was like, cool, what would I do? I had a big word doc. What would I do if this happens? And just made it like a choose your own adventure. It's like, if this, go here. If this, go here. And then put out like a 20-page document now for our internal ad managers and going, cool, if you have a problem, go through this. And then now if they have a problem, I'm like, cool, have you consulted the guide? Yes. 
Did you get the answer? No. Okay. So the guide's not fully finished yet. Is that right? Yes. Okay, cool. So then I would do this, add this to that section of the guide. So now we have like a working, living, breathing document that keeps getting better every time. Because again, sometimes there'll be something and you just get a curveball and like, oh, wow, like that was not in any of the accounts at the time that didn't happen. Here's what to do next. And then just keep refining it over time, which is just mean that everything is so much smoother, but also means now that we have a full system, like I said before, that we can give to other, sell to other agency owners and go, cool, we have literally the blueprint now. And yes, we keep making it better over time. But, you know, if a blueprint for a million dollar plus agency is a pretty handy thing to have. I love that uh, documentation system. And, and I, yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And it, it, especially now that you have such a streamlined system, um, I love that. And I'm sure that you as the owner, you get way fewer calls from your team for fires to be put out at this point. Yeah. And cause we're in an, like, we're in an office like where again, from most, a lot of digital agencies, they go down the full uh, digital route, right? They like operate from their house or whatever. It's like, we've got a, a full office here. So I'm not getting calls. I'm getting people just walking into my office going, Hey Kim, Hey Kim, Hey Kim. I was like, Whoa, I got to fix this problem because otherwise I'm not going to get anything done. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I love, I love this strategy. What are some of the other things that were really critical for you to get automated or outsourced or optimized in the business so that you could free up your time to now? I mean, it seems like you spend most of your time just really being the face of the company, going out mm-hmm. doing a podcast interview, speaking, traveling, um, what were some of the things that you really early on knew you had to get off your plate so that you could focus on that? Proper, like proper management within the company is probably one of the biggest ones. So we brought on an office manager who became a general manager, someone who could understand the accounting side, someone who I could trust with the book side of things as well, taking that off my plate. And not that I give like the responsibility falls solely on her now, but knowing that someone is there thinking about that managing and, and connecting with the team because I can lead the team, but managing and leading are two very different things. Mm. Right. And it's like, yes, I could, if I, all I had to do was manage them, I could manage them, but that's not going to be my, be- that's not my, like my best in world skill. Right. That's not, that's not going to be ideal. So what we decided to do is bring someone on that position and that's made everything else kind of flow. I would say, because now also, if anyone has a question internally, because as soon as you bring a team on, you are like the head of the pyramid, right? So people coming and asking you questions. Now, I don't get asked anything unless it's something specifically campaign related that I can brainstorm and help them work out or overcome. It all goes to Christy, who's our general manager. So by having that like uh, separation for me, frees me up to be able to focus on how do I work on the business and grow it versus working in the business which a lot of people I think struggle and take time to do. And look, we probably did it early and it probably cost us a bit of extra money, but by doing it, it's freed me up, especially for the last year. Like I went to the U S four times. I spoke like all over the world, I spoke with Eric Thomas. Like I did a whole heap of cool stuff. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to do that effectively. I would have come back to like shambles and you know, things burning and falling down probably um, if I didn't have, that key um, member in place. So by understanding who we needed on the team, having a really concise organizational structure and board, a lot of people do org and org chart, right? And they go, oh, cool people here and this is how it works. But we, um, one of uh, my good friends who's an automation specialist taught us this process of an org board, which is more so cool. What are the like seven key areas of the business? What are the roles and responsibilities within each? then who is in charge of each and who's at the top of each of these sections. Hmm. 
right? Because if someone comes, like, no one should be speaking to me about accounting and bookkeeping and pays because I'm not the top of the of the finance division, right? The finance division head is our outsourced bookkeeping and accounting company. So if you have a question on that, this is who you go to speak to. So by giving our team clear understanding of who to speak to and also at what times they can speak to other people because you might be like, you might be head of finance and also head of sales, right? But it's like, cool, at the moment I have my finance hat on, give me half an hour, then I'll have my sales manager hat on and I'll come talk to you about that. Versus going, cool, I just need this because, you know, everyone thinks that whatever they have on their plate at the time is most important to deal with. And I think a lot of things that agency owners um, especially don't take into consideration is that, yes, things are important. However, we're not brain surgeons. We're not doing a heart transplant. Like if you have to take a little bit of time to get the answer, to get the solution, to work on something, that is okay. Right. And I say to my guys all the time, they come in like, oh, Kim, all this stuff, I'm like, hang on. Like, this is not a heart transplant, right? This does not need to be dealt with right now, does it? And they're like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, okay, cool. So relax, take half an hour. No, go for a walk, clear your head for a bit, come back, then we can suss this out. But it's like, we're not, we're not doing, yeah, we're not doing brain surgery. So, you know, we can, um, we can, we can have that little bit of uh, access to time. So we can think about things and get a good solution versus just going, because, you know, as soon as a client calls, Everyone thinks that, you know, it's like, okay, the, the world's going to end. It's like, no, no, that's cool. We deal with it. We fix it in a timely manner. That's cool. You know, it, it's not the end of the world. So I, I absolutely love that, um, that framework for the, the seven different core functions in the business, making sure that it's really clear who's responsible for that. Um, and out of curiosity, I'd love to know kind of what point in your business you brought in that office manager role uh, for yourself. Like how many people did you have on the team at that time? What kind of revenue were you guys doing? Yeah, we, because like two years ago, I was just bringing on people left, right and like, we, I was, we had so much business coming in that things were going crazy, right? So um, I think we had about eight to 10 staff at the time um, and we're doing probably 50, 60 grand a month. Now, I, in hindsight, the reason why it cost me is because I had too many people not effectively working at the time. Mm. So I would like, as soon as I get to probably a team of three to four, the two things that I would consider is number one, if, if possible, potentially bringing on an EA who you could scale up and train up to become a manager. So an executive assistant who can take a lot of things off your plate, can take a lot of the communication off your plate and start to understand the business. So we had an office manager who was good and good for us at the time, but probably not the most ideal because what a lot of people do is they hire for the problem they have right now versus hiring for the future. So if you can think about and go, cool, like I'm hiring. So we hired an office manager when we had probably three to four staff. However, she was only good, not the right thing to say. She was like, her capacity was for those three to four people and managing them, which was good. However, then when we went five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 people, she was stretched way, way, way too far. And she didn't have the skill set to grow with that in my eyes at the time. So what that means is like we need to, you need to find people and hire for the future because if you're going to be growing, you need to get the person who's going to help and grow with you. And it probably will be more expensive, hmm. right? But the most expensive decision you can make is hiring people who are mediocre. And this is not putting anyone down, but it's like the most expensive thing, if you hire someone who's mediocre, right? Bad people, if you hire them, you get rid of them. 
mediocre or good people, if they come in, they'll stay for way too long, take up a lot of money, time, energy, and effort, and they're not helping you grow. So it's going to be more costly and it'll cost you twice as much as if you just hired an amazing person. That's going to cost you a little bit more at the beginning. However, if they're a good person, they will make you more and they'll alleviate more stress and pressure off of you that it's worth 10 times what you pay them. Uh, no, I love that. It's definitely, uh, definitely accurate. I mean, I think w- as business owners, we've all been in that situation where we've got somebody that's just like, ah, they're okay, but you can't really justify letting them go. And, and to your point, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't help accelerate the business and it just eats up a lot of capital. Exactly. So uh, one, of the final, one of the final questions for you is really around, you know, obviously over the last six years, a lot of things have changed. Your business has scaled to a size that you didn't like, and then you scaled it back. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of ups and downs, but what was, you know, the biggest challenge that you faced along the way that you had to overcome and how did you get through it? Probably the biggest was, was having too many team members. Um, and because I'm a, like, I'm a personable person, everyone that comes in, I become good friends with, like where like we treat each other, like we're a family. And for me, having to let people go, um, it's never fun. Like I had to do it in a company before when I didn't even hire people and I had to fire them. And I was like, Oh, this is not fun. Um, so I didn't like that for me was probably one of the harder things where we had to let like in a week, we had to let three or four people go at a time. And it was just because we had way, like we were just way, way, way too over, like way too many staff for what we were doing and what we were delivering and we're doing it in an efficient manner. And I was like, okay, we've just got to reassess and I've got to, I've got to like basically start with a bit of a clean slate, um, assess who we're working with, et cetera, et cetera, and, um, and get rid of a few staff. And that was probably the hardest thing for me. Cause like I said, they were like, and I didn't really know, understand that principle. And it's like, they were good. Like they got the job done, but they were not great. They were not exceeding, ex- excelling, et cetera. They were doing a good job. So when it comes to that, it's like, it's hard and you're going, well, they're not bad. Right. But then I, like, literally it was like a month after this, I had a chat with one of my buddies um, and he literally said that he's like, yeah, he's like, that's the problem, man. It's like, they're good. Good people are the worst. And he's like, because they're just good. Like they get the job done. They don't necessarily exceed and smash and they're not getting like world-class results for people, but they're getting okay results. And then it's like, but they're not bad. So you don't fire them. And I was like, oh, this is exactly what happened. So like literally when I like lived out that principle and then I was like, okay, cool open up the space for bringing in some people who were better. Like the next two months after that, we did like, I think it was like 90 and a hundred K plus in each month. And we had four less staff. And I was like, this is, this is great. Like, you know what I mean? Like from the profitability side of the business, I was like, this is tremendous. Right. And we had, cause we, um, we still had to pay them out a little bit of um, annual leave and stuff. Like um, we didn't get the full benefit of that um, profitability over until after two months. But like when I saw that, I was like, okay, wow. And then when we started bringing in, attracting new people and testing and, and trying new um, new people, out, I was like, okay, wow. Like there's there's a lot of great talent out there that we just weren't getting before. And it was actually pretty similar, like if not cheaper to bring those people in because I had four people. I could consult, can like condense down to two great people. And it's like the my overheads are still less than what I was paying before. Mm. Uh, I, I love that. And yeah, I think that's the power of a lot of people don't necessarily pay attention to their capacity, their utilization, you know, how much they're actually billing out for every hour that their team is working. And when you start to get into those numbers, 
Um, I did their training on this recently. I mean, you, you could do a 5% difference in utilization on an annual basis and it can mean hundreds of thousands of dollars in extra profit for the business. So, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you really dialed that in and it's obviously paying dividends for you. Yeah, no, it was great. But yeah, it was, it was bloody painful at the time. Um, <laughs> we, also let, we also let go at the same time, some of our lower value clients. Um, when I say value, like just charging them less. Um, so we let some of them go as well. And I was just like, wow, like, I was scared. This was like, like Christmas time a couple of years ago. I was like, I was scared to come back in January because I was like, fire out, what's going to happen? And then we just started like first week back, signed a few 5K clients, found some new team members support. I was like, cool, this is going to be a good year. <laughs> awesome, man. So tell me what's next for your social voice. What does the future hold for the business? Um, and and what, what are you hoping to accomplish uh, over the next couple of years? Yeah, well, I mean, we really like one of our big goals is to start helping more agency owners with exactly what we've been doing. Because like I say, like I've, I've done a lot of things right, done a lot of things wrong. Like I've, and I've copped the brunt of it and paid the expense of it, which, you know, again, like we always like to help people focus on doing what they do best. If we can help people install the right systems, management processes, et cetera, in their business and also help them understand the value that they provide, give them, help them get business. Um, then I think that's really going to be a game changer for us because that's really what like we love to help people focus on doing what they do best. And you know, if that's running an agency, I really want to help people with that. So our agency side, we're like just incrementally growing that because I don't want to bring on, as I said, a ton more um, team members. We've just got a, we've got a few really good um, joint venture relationships that bring us a ton of business in. So we're kind of like capping that and just taking on like you know like a waiting list, and then as we go from there, just really scaling up how we help people because there's a lot of good content in the marketplace. There's a lot of people that are teaching people how to run their agencies and stuff like that. But I can count on one hand, how many of them actually still have an agency actually are going through the problems that an agency owner would go through um, and knowing the growth levels. Um, you know, there's like maybe one, one person out of everyone that's teaching people at the moment, how to grow and scale an agency. So again, I see there's like a, a lack in that market and in the times where everyone and their dog is now an agency owner, like I think it's time for people to start understanding how to differentiate themselves and put the right things in place so that if it's what they want to do, they can grow and scale a really great business that, you know, can suffice, look after their life and their lifestyle. And if they want to grow it to the moon, then they can. And if they want to just use it to um, facilitate them living their best life, then they can do that as well. Yeah, I love I love what you're talking about, man. And I think it's a it's a, obviously a great next step for you. Um, and I also love that you what you just touched on, which is somewhat something I just talked about last episode with Carl Sakis, um, which is, you know, that definition between do I want to build an asset that I'm going to sell and get acquired? Or do I want to build a lifestyle business? And both of those things are okay. But obviously, the strategy is a little bit different. Um, but I love that you've got a system uh, so for those that want to reach out to you, learn a little bit more about this, it sounds really interesting. I'm curious now, where can they get more information on it? Yeah, definitely. So um, our website, we're just going through an overhaul at the moment, rolling everything new out there. So um, yoursocialvoice.com.au. AU guys were Australian, I'm sorry. I think <laughs> .com goes there as well, but yeah, .com.au or as well on our, on our Facebook page and on my personal page as well, which is um, our Facebook is Your Social Voice. And I'm facebook.com forward slash real Kim Barrett. 
Awesome. And I'll make sure if you're listening to have these all linked up in the show notes so you can easily reach out and connect with Kim and uh, get more of him in your life. So uh, a final word from Kim, what is your advice to those agency owners that are just getting started? If you can leave them with one thing, what's the one thing that they should focus on? I think you touched on them, which is like, you start with the end in mind. It's like, yeah, like regardless if it's, if it's a huge company, regardless if it's just you and your dog working from a beach in Indonesia with sipping on a coconut, know what you're doing and why and who you want to help. And literally the game will change for you. If you can focus on that, because I know at the beginning it's hard. You just want to get money in. You want to help people. You want to make sales. But if you can identify what you want to do, who you want to do it for and figure out what's the fastest way to get you there. Like 90% of the job's done. Awesome advice. Kim, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. You dropped some great knowledge bombs. You shared a lot of value and I'm sure everybody at home got lots out of it. So thank you so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.
Thanks for having me.